Good evening. Panting for God is like the water brooks. What a what an amazing passage of scripture to think of a panting for God as a deer pants for the water brooks. And what a blessing it is to to get to that point in our lives outside of tragedy. Right? Just because we love God that much. It's good to see you here tonight, both members and visitors alike. Let's go to God in prayer, please. Gracious Heavenly Father, we love you. And we're so thankful, Lord God, that you've blessed us to be able to communicate with you through prayer. And we pray to you, Lord God, and we're just amazed that you allow us to speak to you. And we are thankful that you respond to our prayers. And we ask everything according to your will, because that's what we want. We want your will to be done in our lives. Tonight we pray that something from your word will be given to us to help us to be stronger Christians, to honor your name and to glorify you. For those who are struggling, we pray your blessings upon them. And we thank you for your love. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 1 Kings 19 is where we're going. I'll give you the scripture real early. Last week was skunks. And I, and I want to wrap up skunks um, and get into turtles. And turtles, just, just for a moment, to give you a, a little bit of background. You already know that, but I want to use that as a, as a metaphor, if you will, as we've been doing with, with the skunks. Introverts. Right? They're the two types of, of introverts. They're the, the natural introverts there, and they are the ones who are made. And that usually comes through trauma, tragedy, situations, circumstances in their lives that make things difficult. And turtles, you know, you see them all the time when there's danger that arises or something they're not sure of. They just shrivel up into their shell, right? I read something that says it's actually their ribs, but anyway, uh, they shrivel up into their shell. And we might liken ourselves sometimes to having an introverted personality. Sometimes maybe it's based on a, a time situation, and some are literally just introverts. That's just the way they operate. I want to talk about that um, as we've talked about skunks. Skunks don't care. They just spray everybody, right? All right. Turtles. Sometimes I can be the turtle, and sometimes, I told you last week, I can be the skunk. I don't know about you, but I try not to be the skunk, and I also try not to be the turtle, right? But let's talk about, just for a moment, I'll give you an example. First Kings 19, Jezebel had a skunk-like behavior. We might just call her a skunk, right? And Elijah became this introverted person. It's a totally different personality that comes over Elijah from chapter 18 and chapter 17, the three years of the famine and the preaching to Ahab and that strength and that power. And then all of a sudden, Elijah is inside of this, this cocoon, inside of this shell because of trauma that has come into his life. So he's just been the great prophet of chapter 18, and then he becomes the weak prophet of chapter 19. And there's nothing wrong with being weak at times. We're all weak at times. We're all strong at times. Life just happens, right? So in verse 1, 
Jezebel says to him, and Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. And then Jezebel sent a message, a message to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me and even more if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. Now I want you to think about this for a moment. The great, maybe you might go back and review chapter 18. The great victory. It doesn't begin in chapter 18. In Elijah's life, the great victory begins way before that. Okay? And then by years, we're talking years before that. So we have three years of famine. And then we have this uh, time where Ahab and Jezebel are looking for Elijah. They can't find him. God has hidden him and fed him and blessed him and cared for him. And, and there are these prophets that have been killed and, and, and um, Obadiah hides the prophets and he feeds them sparingly. And, but Elijah, the great prophet, meets Ahab with great power and authority, trusting in God. And then the great event happens in chapter 18 and Jezebel makes this threat. And you would think for just a moment that Elijah could say, you're going to kill me. We, I just killed 450 of your prophets by the power of God. In fact, God just killed 450 of your prophets. Why would I fear you, little lady? Right? But that's not, that's not, that's not real life, is it? Isn't it funny that he stands up against 800, it's actually 850 prophets, of which 450 are, are executed by God by fire, and yet there's a little old lady called the queen who, she has a little more thunder than those guys. And Elijah goes into a shell. The Bible says in verse 3, he was afraid and arose and ran. Now get this. Why is he running? He ran for his life. Let me just tell you now, we're not getting through this. So you just so you know. Because they're clicking. I'm going to come back to that. And came to Beersheba which belongs to Judah, he left his servants there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree and he requested for himself that he might die and said, it is enough now, O Lord, take my life for I am not better than my father's. It's enough. I'm in, I've, I've reached that point. You, you, maybe you've been there, right? You just... You, you start assessing life, struggle to come in your life and in your mind, and, 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 you, and you start thinking, this is, this is enough. Or maybe, maybe you don't get quite to that point, but you're almost there. And when you get there, what do you do with that moment? Right? That's, that's the question. And Elijah says, I'm, I'm done. Lord, I, I've done everything you wanted me to do, and, and, and I'm, I'm, I've traveled for you, I've lived for you, but there's this, there's this depression that comes over him, it becomes overwhelming, and he travels an entire, an entire day's journey. But he himself went a day's journey. Verse 4. He just, he just ran, right? He just ran for his life. Eli wait, Elijah, Elijah, remember, if God, Elijah said this, if God is God, serve him. If, if Baal is God, serve him. The God who answers by fire, he is God. That's what he said. And they said, yeah, okay, yeah. And then God answers by fire. And, and then Elijah outran Ahab's chariot. Remember that the storm was coming. And he outran on foot. He outran the chariot. And he, 
But here he's running again on his own strength this time. And he runs for his life. So when you go through classes of psychology and all that kind of stuff, you learn things like you teach people who are dealing with depression and whether it's, whether it's seasonal or, or bipolar, whatever, it doesn't matter. You tell them, do not make any major decisions. Right? And this whole chapter, by the way, is a great chapter if you're studying about depression. But anyway, do not make any major decisions and then they'll kind of say, hey, you know, get out and go do something, exercise, you, you know. So Elijah doesn't make a major decision. He makes a decision for his life. <laughs> Pretty major, right? And he just starts running. And I want you to think about how irrational we become when we just start running, when we are in this position where we maybe fight or, or flight or we're, we're really, really troubled and we just, we just start running. And I want you to think about verse 4. I'm going to read verse 4 again to you because I really want you to just think about for a second how irrational Elijah is, is right now, how we are as well, right? So I've already explained the, the, the context, and you go back, remind yourself of the context, but listen to verse 4 one more time, please. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under the juniper tree, and he requested for himself that he might die and said, It is enough now, O Lord, take my life, for I am not better than my father's. Now read verse 7. Verse 7, And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because your journey is too great for you. What journey? He's already gone a day. He, he, may, he has no provisions, right? He didn't think this through because you don't think things through when you're in this irrational state of thinking, this irrational state of mind. So he sinks into this, this shell, burying his emotions, if you will, and, and uh, his struggles, his decisions are, are way off, and uh, he just... He's not doing well. He's not, he's not in a good place. Let, let, me, let me show you how bad of a place he's in. Listen. Uh, uh, listen again to verse, verse 4. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat under a juniper tree and requested for himself that he might die. Well, then don't run. Jezebel will take care of that. So that wasn't what he really wanted, right? But that was the fight or flight thing, you see? That was the get me out of here thing, right? His mind is the irrationality, the irrational thinking that he's going through. He chose to run, and I want to go to another path. Go to Mark chapter 14, and we don't have time to spend a whole, you know, a whole lesson on that. We'll have to do that sometime. Um, he didn't know where he was going. He didn't know how far... His journey was going to be. He had no provisions. Um, you know, then God comes to the rescue. We know we see that text, and God is there to give him the strength he needs to make it to where he's going. And it's a beautiful account of God rescuing, if you will, those who have that need. But when there's danger and there's fear, it, it causes us to go into that, uh, that unimaginable uh, mindset where it's, it's some people just run. And some people stay. It's, it's fight or flight, right? It's kind of a natural, a natural thing. And I'm using this scripture, and I, I, I've gone over this scripture many times. You've read it many times. You may have asked the same question I've asked. What? That's all I ask. Like, why, is he, why is that even in there? <laughs> Watch, you'll, you'll, you'll agree. Verse 51. 
Mark 14. And a certain young man was following him, speaking of Jesus, wearing nothing but a linen sheet over his naked body, and they seized him, but he left the linen sheet behind and escaped naked. That's it. Right? Well, you know, so tell me something about the guy. Doesn't even, there's nothing else about him. There's nothing else about that situation. How did he get there? Was he sleeping? Had he been there? Was he, I mean, we know nothing about it. But we do know that when you're afraid, remember there were people, that men, men there with clubs and shields, and there was a huge army there, and they were coming after Jesus. And that man was there, and there's a, a ruckus that happens, and Malchus's ears cut off, and all the situation. And they look at him, and they think, you're one of Jesus' disciples. And that man runs away naked. Fight or flight. Right? Fight or flight. Sometimes we just, we just, we just do what we have to do to get away. Another one I want to look at, way back in, in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 1. Remember the account about Hannah? Remember the, the situation that she was in? And I want to talk about just kind of being that, that, that turtle with that turtle mentality, how she handled her uh, extreme stress, conflict, right? Um, look at verse 4. And when the day came that it, Elkaniah sacrificed, and he would give portions to Penaniah, his wife, and to all her sons and her daughters. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord closed her womb. Now, now think about just for a moment the text. Elkanah loved Hannah more than Penaniah. She was the she was the wife, if you will, the favorite. She received a double portion of everything, right? I mean, she had it all. She had love. She had, she had, you know, material wealth in that sense. But oddly, you know, what was she really in need of in her own mind? What was the one thing that she was lacking? It wasn't material wealth. That didn't seem to matter to her. And maybe she knew Elk and I loved her, but she couldn't enjoy the double portion. She couldn't even enjoy it. And instead, she just wanted a child. And, and she wanted a child, not, not, I mean, you know, I get it. We, we all, it's because she was being tormented and afflicted by her rival, as the text calls her. But to Hannah, verse 5, he would give a double portion for he loved Hannah, but the Lord closed her womb. Her rival, however, would provoke her bitterly to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. And it happened year after year, as often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she would provoke her. So she wept and would not eat. You're looking into a heart of a woman we might step back and say, hey, you, I mean, outside, I get it, outside of children, you, you've got it all. She couldn't enjoy life. Right? And inside of that shell, it, it seems like sometimes, I want to come back to this in a moment, that maybe people don't always understand why you're struggling inside of your heart. That's why asking the right questions are critical and they're important. They came to the house of God and she couldn't even enjoy that. You ever met people like that? They can't even enjoy coming to worship? Meet the brethren, come here to worship God. 
because of the struggles that they're going through. Verse 7 says again, and it happened year after year as often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she would provoke her. So she wept and would not eat. Right? I mean, she was embittered deep, deep, deep inside of her heart. And, and she just crawled up in her shell. And here's the problem sometimes with being the turtle. It's hard to accept that people don't necessarily always understand what you're going through. I mean, we expect everyone to know. Well, they should have known. Well, should they have known? Or, or don't they understand what I'm going through? Maybe they don't, right? Because people look at her situation a little bit differently. For example, if, if Hannah wasn't uh, so desirous of a child, then the, the irritation that came from Penaniah wouldn't have really penetrated her as much as it did. But it's not left for us to judge. It's left for us to see that there are times in people's lives when the struggle is so deep that, yeah, yeah, they suffer. And they suffer internally. They're not, she wasn't like a skunk, right? She didn't spray everybody. She just went inside of her shell. Look, when you're hurting, you need to talk to somebody, right? You got to open up. That's your responsibility. Right? If you just go in a shell and you stay in there, you know, you need to talk to somebody and never be uh, the person that says God can't help me because God always has help. Verse 8, and I'm not saying that's a rebuke. I'm telling you now before you're in that situation, right? I will never tell you when you're in that situation. But not everyone's going to understand. And then you think to yourself, look at verse 8 and you go, of all people who should have understood... Yeah, no, I think all your wives would say, yeah, right, my husband would never understand. Verse 8, listen to Elkanah's reasoning. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? And why do you eat? Or why do you not eat? And why is your heart sad? Am I not better than you? Than... <laughs> I mean, right? You got me! <laughs> Isn't that good enough? Stephen would say that, right? <laughs> no, I <probably> just kidding. <laughs> His last Bible class. Anyway, um, yeah, isn't this great? Look at that. You've got, don't you understand? I mean, what more could you ask for? He had no clue, did he? He really didn't know. Didn't understand. Maybe that conversation between Penn and I and, and, and Hannah happened behind the scenes and, and no one told Elkanah uh, and maybe Hannah held it to herself and never, I mean, I don't know. The text doesn't tell us all this. But what it does tell us is that not everyone is going to understand, even those who are closest to you, are going to always understand what you're going through. You've got to open up, church. If you don't open up, you can't expect the other people to know and then get irritated at them for not knowing. Like, for example, with the, with the preacher and the elders, and people go, well, you guys never knew. Well, you never told us. How are we supposed to know? Tell us, right? The least we could do is pray, which is the best thing that we can do, right? As a church family and as individuals in the body of Christ. But here's one thing we have to give Hannah credit for. Though she exemplified the mindset of a of a turtle in this sense. She, she, she crawled into that shell. She did something that a lot of people don't do. And because it's difficult to do this. And that is truly, sincerely go to the Lord. I mean, she really, sincerely 
went to the Lord. I've heard people say to me, they say, well, you know, uh, I'm going to take, you know, take it to the Lord. Just me and the Lord. I'm going to the Lord. They weren't really going to the Lord. I mean, they were going to the Lord, but not the way you're supposed to go to the Lord with humility and acceptance of his will, right? In other words, if you say, dear God, your will be done, do you really mean that? Right? I mean, so when you're taking it to the Lord and the Lord tells you no, are you able to say, okay, well, knows the answer. Here we go. Let's go. Like David, when he was taking it to the Lord, when his son was dying and they didn't understand it. Remember? And, and, and the baby was sick and, and David was, was weeping and he was mourning and he was fasting and he was praying. And, and then they were like, we, if we tell him the child died. We don't know what he's going to do. And they told him the child died, and he got up and cleaned himself off and went on to his way. Because he said, Lord, whatever your will is. And he meant that when he prayed that. So when you're praying that, make sure you mean that. Right? If you're going into that shell and you're saying, this is between me and the Lord, make sure you're really, truly taking it to the Lord and you're willing to accept God's answer. Right? Okay, so verse 9, <clears throat> excuse me. Then Hannah rose after eating and drinking in Shiloh, now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the temple of the Lord, and she greatly distressed, prayed to the Lord, and wept bitterly. And this is what she was doing. She didn't hurt anyone else. She was hurting inside. Right? It was internal. You ever, you ever seen people smile on the outside and they look okay, but they're dying on the inside? Right? I mean, it's hard unless you you know, maybe, maybe you have to have a trained eye. Maybe even with a trained eye, we don't, we don't always see things. But you ever ask someone, how are you doing? You know why people don't answer the question truthfully? Because they know you really don't want to know, right? I mean, think about this for a moment. I'm, I'm not saying, I'm saying generically, right? If you say, hey, how are you doing? And the person says, oh, let me tell you. A lot of folks are like, oh, I don't have time for this. Well, you should have never asked the question, Right? Be sincere when you ask that question. And if you don't want to know the answer, don't ask the question. You know, the generic thing that we do um, isn't always healthy, but we do it. And the reason sometimes that we just say, oh, I'm fine, and we put on our, our nice clothing uh, is because of the fact that we just, we know no one really cares, right? I've heard some older folks say to me, well, you know why I don't complain? Oh, why don't you complain? No one really cares. No one cares. So I'm not going to complain. Right? Like, wow. They've had a life of experience of that particular situation uh, in their lives. So a turtle doesn't necessarily hurt other people, but they, they do dig a deep hole for themselves, right? Uh, and and when, you're, when you're holding uh, these, un, you know, it's unnatural, you do know that, to hold in feelings of, of, of pain and sorrow and suffering and especially anger, right? Because you know what happens? Eventually it comes out, and it usually comes out in an unhealthy way. And in fact, when you hold in bad stuff, what happens to your body? Yeah, your body doesn't like it too much. It makes us sick. Stress, right? Stress makes us sick. Stop stressing. God says, don't worry. Why? It's going to make you sick. That's what it does, right? We know that. And we know that panic attacks, you know, from stress to a panic attack, or maybe from stress to depression to a panic attack, you can feel like you're having a heart attack really nothing necessarily wrong other than your endorphins are going and all that natural stuff, but it's not good for us. She was taking it to the Lord and thank God that the, the situation prevailed to where um, 
Eli the priest came by. They had a conversation. She took it to the Lord. And God eventually heard her prayer. Now, we know when I say eventually, God already knew, didn't he? Thank you, God, for that. So we're, we're out of time. So next week we'll come. No, the following week. So you have to hold this. And we'll come back in two weeks. Because we have a, a preacher coming up to speak to us, uh, Brother Jenkins, and we're excited about that. And let's pick up with the other side, right? So when we're, when we're, when we're acting um, this way and we're inside and we're holding it in, let, let's pick up next week with, let's try to see things the way God sees them. And that's not always easy because, well, then you're getting into the idea of, well, what does God have in, in store for my future when you and I have no clue what God has in store for us for our future and we don't know which way it's going to go this way or that way and so we have to wait and waiting is sometimes a tough road we'll pick up there little brother tonight though if you're struggling if you're hurting if you're if you have sorrow in your heart if if there's anything we can do please um, you don't have to come tell the elders but you need to go tell somebody right? and we, we would love to know and we want to know but you have to tell somebody and, and then when you tell them, and here's gonna, this is going to sound really weird, lower your expectations. They may not have a clue, but they can at least pray for you. And maybe that will be your channel for the help. I mean, you know, there's a whole lot of you know, psychology behind this. I'm not going to get into that. But God bless you tonight. If we can help in any way, please come. While together we stand and sing our song of invitation. <laughs>